Hello and welcome back this week. It's February the 25th. Great to join you. Brent and I are here, you know, thinking about the macro economy this week. This is one of those topics that every time we record this, uh, listeners reach out and say, this was really valuable. It's one of those topics where you see a lot of headlines and a lot of us don't always and I'm guilty of this myself, I don't think about it until we do these PowerPoints, really start to put the pieces together and sort of think about the forest relative to all the trees. You get all these pieces of news that are the trees and start to look at the forest. So Brent, I'm looking forward to this discussion. I'm going to kick this off with a chart that looks at GDP, and you've measured it you know, as, as billions of dollars. So this is actual activity. So you want to talk about this a little bit? Yeah, sure. This is just real GDP. And I think it's somewhat useful just to look at, to give you a perspective of just how far we have to go. What we're seeing is that it's going to be a while to get back to kind of the trend level of GDP that we were at prior to the pandemic. So I just like to use it to kind of show, hey, you know, we got, we're a trillion dollars or $600 billion short uh, where we were. So now depending on the stimulus, which we'll talk through later, it's going to take a little while to get back to where we're at. And it also shows you just how big the decline really was. So we've seen big declines, a strong rebound, but we're still not at this recovery threshold. And that's really important. The next chart is, is actually one of my favorite ones. I actually try to keep an eye on this one pretty closely. It's a weekly economic index. And usually I'm skeptical of these types of indices um, that this one, uh, they've done a lot of work with. And I think this one tries to measure what's going on in the economy on a little more updated basis. GDP actually is something that takes a long time to measure. And the lags between when they measure Q2 activity, when we actually get the data is kind of surprising how long it takes to get any sort of measurement. So this is an index that gives us an idea of what's going on on a more updated basis. And so again, it captures this drop. So this measure says that the economy fell to about 11%, pretty big. So we are growing at something like 1%. We went to negative 11%. And that was when the shutdowns happened about a year ago. And we've seen this start to come back up, but we're still lagging it 2% down uh, from where we would have been thinking about the year before, thinking about where we should have been in terms of activity. So we're still not in this recovery phase yet. Things really started to pick back up April, May timeframe and have really come back pretty rapidly. I think, you know, there's signs that that's likely to continue. So let's talk about this new chart. Um, this is one we've been hoping to talk about for a while. I say it's new because we have finally some data on 2020. This is deficit spending relative to GDP. And you don't have to think about this one too long to realize that both of these numbers are going the wrong way. Deficit spending was going up a lot. Trillion dollar stimuluses really add up pretty quickly. And then you talk about this deficit that created. So the numerator and denominator are both working the wrong way. So 2020, the deficit relative to GDP came in at about 15%. For context, 10% was where we had hit during the Great Recession, right? And that was, of course, you know, unprecedented, unheard of, unbelievable when that occurred. And so this gives us an idea of the magnitude of where we were in 2020. I guess like one way of thinking, negative 10% to negative 15% and another context data point. We spent quite a bit of time at considerably more deficit spendings back in the 40s. Of course, there was a lot going on in the 40s. That was sort of that, that high water mark or that low water mark. I don't know how you would measure that. Since World War II, that's is sort of the, the most significant deficit we've seen. Yeah, time and a half, what we saw in the finan great financial crisis or the great what we used to call the great recession. So significant increase in deficit spending relative to GDP. And we didn't quite get to World War II levels, but uh, it's, it's substantial. 
this is going to be the chart that starts to foreshadow, I think, the political realities of where do we go post-pandemic, post-vaccine, when we start thinking about how the government's going to spend money or raise money in a year or two from now. Brent, let's talk a little about the Fed and the balance sheet. I'll let you uh, walk us through this. One of the things that's notable is just how aggressive the Federal Reserve has been in, in that cut you know, short-term interest rates, basically zero. So with the, you know, there's two sources of stimulus in the economy right now. We've got the, the federal government spending a lot of money as well as the federal reserve cutting interest rates. Now, what's interesting to me is when they started cutting the short-term interest rates at the start of the pandemic, you kind of go, well, probably isn't going to do much because nobody's going to want to borrow money with all that uncertainty and just didn't seem like it was going to be that stimulative. Well, now that the economy is starting to pick back up, it could be super stimulative. So we really need to keep an eye on that. And Powell's testimony the other day, I think he kind of reiterated, you know, we're going to keep a low interest rate stance for quite a while. The other chart is the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, total assets over $7 trillion. To put that in perspective, before the great financial crisis, the great recession, we were, you know, they were running right around a trillion dollars. So seven time increase. After trying to recover after the financial crisis, we got up to around four and a half trillion dollars. So huge, huge amounts of stimulation by the Federal Reserve. And I think the reality is, is we just don't know. I don't think anybody knows what this is going to mean for us right now. It's all in uncharted territory and it's a really an open question as to how all this is going to unwind itself. The thing that I think about is whenever we went during the great recession from a trillion to eventually four and a half trillion, one of the things we were, we were told a lot, one of the things the Fed was talking a lot about is if we don't do anything, we know the consequences will be dire, right? Because they were thinking back to the great depression and when they had this banking crisis during that era. And I think to your point, Brent, is we, we think we know what happens if you don't do enough stimulus, right? That has a bad outcome. But now we don't know what we're going to have given the activity that we're actually uh, working on, which I think we have an interesting debate. So if you're an economic, macroeconomic follower or you're curious about it, there are a lot of really smart people writing some really interesting op-eds. And we've been following that along a little bit. It's just fascinating to me how fast the debate has changed. Before Christmas, which was what, two months ago, two and a half months ago? 65 days ago, yeah. Jay Powell was on pretty much every speech he's given begging for fiscal stimulus from the federal government, saying we need more stimulus. The economy is not doing well. We need more stimulus. Now, it's really interesting because Powell's commentary is more, well, I don't expect sustained inflation or large inflation outbreak. And you've got lots of people writing things about, hey, maybe this next stimulus is is too much. And the most notable one, of course, being Larry Summers, who served in the Obama administration, I believe as Treasury Secretary, came out and said, hey, this, this next stimulus, we don't need this. That's interesting because he's clearly on, on the Democrat side of the ledger and now saying, hey, maybe this is too much. So, you know, it's just fascinating to me to see how how fast it's changed. And this is going to be, I think, the debate that's going to be with us for a while as that economy that we were showing you is really starting to improve. You've got super, super low interest rates and more stimulus. So it kind of runs a risk of potentially overheating the economy. You see Wall Street banks come out with 
GDP forecast, seven, eight, nine percent numbers we have not seen in decades. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, Brent. We talked about last a year ago. It's just kind of we're, we're about a, bit, a year into this, right? I've been reminded about some of our stuff that we wrote a year ago is coming due. And so one of the things we were talking about a year or so ago, nine months ago, was pent up demand and this idea that like when the virus gets under control and you have all this stimulus. There are areas of the economy, this isn't true, but in large sectors of the economy, consumers have been saving. They haven't been going on vacations. They haven't been going out to eat in restaurants. This idea of when the virus goes away, this pent up demand, when people come in and they start doing activities. Well, we, we didn't see that last summer. We didn't see that last fall. We have to keep in mind that just because the timing hasn't occurred doesn't mean that that pent up demand won't come at some point in the future. I think that's an interesting thing to think about is we're vaccinating a lot of people. And I think more people have one dose of the vaccine than have ever had the COVID in the U.S. So we're seeing this a lot of progress made on the virus side. You know, will we see a pent up demand story start to play out in coming months? I don't know, but I think it's really interesting to keep in mind. Yeah. And it comes back, David, to that whole issue. Is this a supply shock, demand shock? And normally in a supply shock, which is what most people said pandemic was, you don't necessarily want to have really low interest rates, all these things, because it can be super inflationary when demand really comes back and it can open up. So when all the restaurants open up, there's all these people have this pent up demand for leisure activities could be super, super inflationary. So I think that's the big question. Speaking of things we're also watching, interest rates fell really hard. The Fed has lowered their interest rates. We have a forecast network question. Will they raise the upper bounds of the lower of the Fed target rate in 2021? Uh, we're not going to get into it this week. I'm going to put Brent on the spot, but I think this is going to be an interesting question to see play out over the next year. You know, Will the Fed you know, start to move interest rates if we see the economy move up? Like you said, this conversation of inflation has really turned quickly from begging for a stimulus to say, no, I don't think the inflation is going to be that big of a concern. But here are three measures of interest rates, the one-year treasury, the 10-year treasury, and the 30-year treasury. So the one-year treasury is low, it's staying low, it's kind of still sloping down. But the 10 and the 30-year have turned up quite a bit in the last six months, and they're almost back to pre-COVID levels. Screaming higher. Paints a picture of the more normal upward sloping rate curve. There was a time where the 10-year treasury is actually lower than the one-year for a little bit. And that is usually an indicator of major recession. Well, that that is gone now. So it's kind of a more normal yield curve that's that's getting put in place. And and one has to wonder at what point the shorter term rates start to turn up as well. So a couple other charts I want to leave you with is goodbye lower prices of for gasoline. There's just this narrative that I've been catching up on is fertilizer prices are increased quite a bit. And when you look at oil prices, they've gone from $16 a barrel at the low last spring for a monthly price. Of course, they were negative for a few days there. Now they're hanging out around $40 or $50 a barrel. Brent and I were talking the other day about gasoline prices have gone up. So the national price for gasoline was well below $2 a, a gallon. Nobody was driving this spring. And they jumped up to about two and a quarter. And now they're about 265 and looking well above 250. For context, of course, we were getting closer to $3 prior to that. But you really start thinking about, are we going to see the highest gas prices? So if we get above $3 in this measure, right, it'd be the highest prices since 2015. Are we headed to this new era? And I, what makes me think about this chart is, my brain sees a lot of these things on Twitter about gasoline consumption still being in a rut, right? Gasoline consumption hasn't recovered, but here comes this price situation. 
we are well past this commodity prices, interest rates, all this being really low that we had for so many months, you know, in the summer and spring of 2020. It's really interesting. A lot of narratives in the oil and gas space about regulation and other things. I don't know how much of that is real, but the prices are certainly reacting, uh, even in the spite of not tremendous demand. I think it's going to be something you want to really keep an eye on going forward. We're going to wrap up here today. Thank you for joining us. But I think, you know, I'm going to plug this in, Brent. You can jump in and wrap this up if you have anything to add. But this question of too much stimulus is probably the most interesting economic debate playing out right before our eyes. And I don't know. I, I You have to go and read some of the stuff that really smart people are sharing. I think triangulation would be a helpful way of challenging your thinking here it's easy to find something that fits your bias but go read some things from the right side of the argument from the left side of the argument pay attention to people larry sumner's example is usually on the democratic side of the debate but he's taking this this approach that lines up with some of those on the republican side i'm not saying one way or the other but triangulate some of this what are the factors that they're looking at and what are the factors that they're mentioning and it's a very interesting debate i'll leave it with this is too much stimulus, and I asked the question, is this an intended or unintended consequence? Because I think in some cases, some of the arguments being raised is, what is the downside of too much stimulus? And I think that's a very interesting debate that, Brent, you kind of mentioned too earlier, we don't have an answer to what's the problem of too much stimulus. I guess we intellectually have some idea that if we gave everybody a check for a million dollars, what would happen? Howard Marks helped us frame that up several months ago, but that's a bad outcome. But where does it start to become a challenge? Yeah, it's always that question of how much is too much. It's going to play out big time in the next coming months. And my sense is, I mean, we've seen a little bit of this in the past, and I think that's partly why the Biden administration is pushing so hard for the stimulus, because last time we did it, we didn't get that extra stimulus, and the the financial crisis kind of drug on forever, and they didn't want to see that happen again. This time, maybe the conditions are maybe a little more ripe for actually having some inflation. So it's just going to be fascinating to watch it play out. But like David said, I think the biggest thing you can do is try and get perspectives from both sides of it to really think about where you come out on it and ultimately how it's going to impact you as a business person. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up with that. Thanks so much. Until next week, stay curious and reach out with any questions and we'll keep writing articles and sharing insights. Thanks so much. Mm